Well, good morning, everybody. So good to be with you this morning. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Tyler, and I have the pleasure of being on staff here at San Diego First Church. Um, I'm just excited to worship with you all this morning. Our mission here um, is so simple, and it is to lift up Christ. And our hope is that we get to do that through our worship this morning and our interactions with others as we move through uh, the coming days and weeks. Um, if you've noticed some like extra signage or maybe uh, like, uh, some commotion on campus as you leave today, or there might be like a stray neon green cowboy hat type of situation lying around, it's because there's an awesome uh, Nazarene conference called Elevate for uh, mid-hires and high schoolers happening on our campus this weekend. Um, I'm there with the youth staff as well as Austin and some of our other uh, some of our other staff are there this weekend with our teens. Um, we are playing Ultimate Frisbee, and we're just having a blast on campus, worshiping together, getting to know people from around the region. This is our crew that's at Elevate this weekend. And I do have to brag, because last night we entered our dodgeball tournament from all the churches that attend Elevate, and we made it not only to the Sweet 16, not only to the Elite Eight, but to the Final Four of the dodgeball crazy, tournament. Crazy, crazy. It was pretty incredible. Thanks in no small part to our head coach, Austin Holmes. Uh, pretty no, incredible. No, it's the kids. Uh, it's really the kids. So. It's the kids. Yeah, it was great. So I uh, appreciate your prayers for, for our teens and our staff as we finish out the weekend here at Elevate. Um, we're going to get started with our worship this morning um, as we prepare to, to center our hearts and our minds for worship um, and reflect on the Word of God today. If you feel moved to... Um, have a physical representation of a prayer that you have for yourself or others, especially as we are coming out of some horrific events uh, over the past few weeks in Buffalo and Uvalde, Texas. Um, if you would like to come up at any point during the service and light a candle at either of our candle tables up here in the front, uh, please feel, feel free to come up and do so. Um, at this point, I'm going to invite Daryl up to lead us in our call to worship. Good morning. We're going to read from uh, Psalm 97. The Lord reigns. Let the earth be glad. Let the distant shores rejoice. Clouds and thick darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and consumes his foe on every side. His lightning lights up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like mat like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. The heavens proclaim his righteousness and all people see his glory. All who worship images are put to shame. Those who boast in idols, worship him, all you gods. Zion hears and rejoices and the villages of Judah are glad because of your judgments, Lord. For you, Lord, are the most high over all the earth you are exalted far above all gods. Let those who love the Lord hate evil, for he guards the lives of the faithful ones. He delivers them from the hand of the wicked. Light shines on the righteous and joy in the upright of heart. Rejoice in the Lord, you who are righteous, and praise his holy name. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you join us as we rejoice in the Lord this morning together? If you're able to, let's stand and sing. And how can I keep from singing your praise? How could I ever say enough? How amazing is your love? How 
can I keep from shouting your praise? I know I am loved by the King, and it makes my heart want to sing. Sing to the Lord this morning. Oh, how can I keep from singing your praise? How could I ever say enough? How amazing is your love? And how can I keep from shouting your praise? I know I'm loved. I know I am loved by the King. And it may my heart want to sing. Oh Lord, we sing of the work of your hands this morning, great creator. In the sunrise of your love for us, we're awakened by your smile and I remember you are all I need I can hear you call me child this is the day the day Lord. Be 
creator and redeemer of life, we give thanks to you this day that you are breathing in life in us now, that is sustaining us. God, we are able to see the vastness of your beauty, Lord. How almost crazy that this world is in existence, God. The way in which your nature harmonizes with itself the way in which life gives life to other things. God, there's so much beauty in the way in which you created us. And how great is your power, Lord, that you're able to move the waters constantly, that the mountains that are above us are incredible, Lord. As we surround ourselves in your beauty and in your nature, Lord, we can feel small, but Lord, we thank you that you call us your children. We thank you that you call us your own. That even in the greatness of your power, that there still is greatness in your love, in your grace. We thank you, Lord. And we sing of your power this morning. We surrender to you, Lord. Our God is greater, our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power. Our guide, our guide. Our God is greater, our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer. Awesome in power, our God, our God. Oh, 
Lord, we surrender our souls and our lives to you. Jesus, I surrender all to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily.
Lord, we are open to you this morning. Lead us and guide us as you have given us the will to love and to breathe and to give life to those around us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated for a moment. We're always so, so grateful and thankful that we have the opportunity to worship alongside our children. And we have the opportunity as a church family to pour into the lives of our children, to be able to participate in their growth as Christians. And that we have leaders that are dedicating themselves in children's church to hopefully start a rhythm of living for Jesus in their lives. And so this morning we join as a church family praying over our church, or our, sorry, our children, our church, really, they are our church, um, as they go into children's church this morning. Would you pray over them with me from Philippians 1? This is my prayer for you, our children, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best May you be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. To the glory and praise of God. Amen. Amen. See you later, kids. Have fun. Happy birthday, Judah Pickin. Yeah. Woohoo. Ah, oh, awesome. Awesome. Um, I gave you just a little bit to sit. I hope that was enough. I'm going to ask us to stand again and continue in our worship together this morning. Lord, we are so thankful that you involve us in your will for this world, that you ask us to participate in the ways in which you are bringing life and restoration here. Lord, we come before you boldly knowing that there was one that had come before us so that we may be filled with the same power that Jesus was filled with, Lord, as you call us to restore and redeem and love. So this morning, we remind ourselves of the great power that you have blessed us with, Lord, that we are able to do good in your name. Oh, in Jesus' name, we pray and sing. Amen. The same great light that broke the dark, the same great peace that calmed the seas, hallelujah, is living in me. The same great love, the same great love that gives us breath, the same great power that conquered death, hallelujah, is flowing through me. And what, what if I believed in your power and I really lived it? What, what if I believed Christ in me? What if I believed I would lay my worries down, see these hills as level ground? What if I believed Christ in me? Your love, the same great love that casts out fear, the same compassion that draws us near, hallelujah, is living in me. The same great mercy that I received, amazing grace for rebs like me, hallelujah. 
seated this morning. Okay, if anyone's got their note card out and they are on the, it says pass a piece and it says how many times Austin has missed the pass a piece, you can put another tally here, right there on that paper. Oh, sorry about that. Um, I want to say one thing before we do pass a piece of Christ. Um, the, there is a pandemic still surging today, and there's actually some people that I know that um, are contracting COVID again. And so please feel free. Um, if, if you need to not participate in Pass the Peace, maybe you do it from a distance. That's great. Um, but just be mindful of others as you are passing the peace of Christ this morning. The band's going to play for you as you pass the peace of Christ to others this morning.
Good morning. Welcome. So glad you're here. My name is Matt Wilson. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and it is a, just a pleasure to be with you this morning. A uh, lot going on in the life of our church. The first is this. would love to know that you are here. So if you have your bulletin, we have, that, uh, we have multiple QR codes. Uh, unfortunately, that's the world we live in now, I guess, is a QR kind of world. The Dino QR code gets you to our Google form that lets us know that you are here. And if you are a visitor, we'd love to know that you're here. If this is the first time that you've used that, we'd love to know that you've used it. If this is the hundredth time you've been here, we need to know that you're here. We'd love to know. Uh, we also use this as a way for, for you to communicate with your pastoral staff. So if there's um, confidential prayer requests or just something you, you want your pastoral staff to know, this is a great way for, for you to communicate with us. A few other things going on in the life of the church. The first is this. We just elected a new church board, uh, which is awesome. Congratulations to those who were elected. Specifically, uh, this is the, the entirety of the church board, but Diane Anderson, Aileen Sharn, Scott Shoemaker, uh, Shereen Trujillo, and Brett Walker were newly elected. They'll be serving for two years uh, as our church board, joining the rest, and really looking forward to working with y'all in the year to come. We have several things going on as far as our district is concerned, the, the larger church that we participate in. Uh, we have a missions convention taking place this Thursday at Mission Valley Church of the Nazarene. That is um, on Thursday, June 2nd. We also have a district assembly taking place this Friday and Saturday. And those are kind of all-day events. If you are interested in attending as a delegate of ours, uh, just let us know. We can hook you up with all the details. You can also visit SoCalNaz.org and find all of that information. All of that information also is very conveniently located at the bottom of your bulletin if you're interested in any of that. So if you want to represent us as a church at any of these gatherings, please let us know. We'll get you all the information for that. Um, let's see, what else we got? VBS. VBS is quickly coming. We have uh, several more volunteer opportunities. There's a few more kind of head, not head coaches, kind of like local coaches within the different sports, a volleyball coach, a basketball coach. We still need help, um, specifically with coaching. We need a lot of coaches. So if you could help us out, please join us for that. This is our one of our largest outreaches to our community. And we have hundreds of kids fill this space throughout this week. We'd love for you to be a part of that for us um, this coming July. Uh, I can't remember what my next announcement is. You want to turn it? Yes, second Saturday. So every second Saturday during the summer, so the second Saturday being June 11th, July 9th, and August 13th, we are having potluck-style gatherings for our church. And if you would like to come to one of these gatherings, one of these meals, first, we'd love for you to. We'd also love for you to RSVP. This is just a time for us as a church during the summer to get together, hang out, uh, connect with each other on an intergenerational level. I mean, if you look at our uh, sanctuary, we're fairly spread out. Thank you, COVID. But also, y'all over here may not know the people over here. And these are some of those instances, these gatherings that we can make that space shrink a little bit 
and do it over a meal. So if you'd love to, to come to one of these, please use that QR code. Let us know you're coming. If you'd like to host one of these events, please let us know. We can hook you up with all the details. But please, we'd love to gather together this summer and just, just share a meal together. It'd be so fun. Uh, last announcement is we have this 30-something group that has been gathering. We gathered last night at the James's, and we had a blast swimming, cooking s'mores, such a fun time. If you find yourself in this age group, somewhere between late 20s and early 40s, we are gathering throughout the summer on these days and locations. Please let us know if you need more details about that. We'd love to get them to you. At this time, we'd love to bring up Christy to come and read our scripture reading for this morning. Reading from John this morning. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to the complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, church. This is your uh, weekly reminder to pray for Pastor D and Kay. It has been now uh, six weeks of their sabbatical, so we're at the halfway point. And I got to thinking about uh, the word that we're looking at here and what was happening in the disciples' lives in, in real time. So if you think back to Easter, the last time Pastor D was with us six weeks ago, and since then, in the 40 days that led up to his ascension, which was three days ago, would have been those resurrection appearances, the times when Jesus appeared to his disciples, appeared to them in the upper room, appeared to them along the road to Emmaus, appeared to them at one time over 500 at once, saw Jesus. And, and now they are called of Christ after the ascension to wait in Jerusalem until they are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. So they have begun this vigil in the upper room, which will last 10 days. Jesus didn't tell them how long to tarry, how long to wait, just that it's crucial that you do, because you're not ready yet to share this good news. Now, they felt ready. They had been 40 days with the appearances of Christ. They were amazed. They had just stood there and seen him taken into heaven and heard the angel say, this same Jesus who has gone from you into heaven will return for you. They had this message burning in their hearts and on their minds. And yet Jesus said, you're not ready yet. You are not ready until I live within you. The very last words of the prayer that we just heard that I myself may be in them. And so we come to that, and I want us to kind of think in terms of 
of the church, as we lead up to, to next week and the celebration of Pentecost Sunday and the birth of the church and the Holy Spirit's coming, what it means for us to be a part of that church these many years hence. So let's review the prayer that we've been in now for three weeks where Jesus has prayed for himself, Father, the time has come, glorify your Son that I may glorify you. He prays for himself. He says he has completed the work that God gave him to do. And then he goes on through the prayer to say just what that work has been. He said, Father, I've revealed your nature to them. I've given them your name. I've shared your words with them. I've shared your glory with them. I have protected them, and I've given them purpose. I have given them a commission to go into the world. And then he prays for his disciples, which we looked at last week. He said, disciples are those people who obey his words and therefore come to know him in the midst of that obedience, that we belong exclusively to God and we live and we minister in the midst of a busy world. And now he prays for us. And aren't you glad he brings us into this prayer? My prayer is not for these, just for these disciples, Father, but for all who will believe me through their message. And so we come down generationally as those who have believed through the message of those who have taught and passed it on to others. He says, to all who will believe. In a few hours, he will be on the cross. And he's leaving the church in their hands. He knows they're not ready. He tells them they're not ready. Wait in Jerusalem until you are filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Then you will be my witnesses. You won't just carry the witness. You won't just have the witness that you're aware of, the teachings that I have taught you. But you will be, by your very nature, by me living within you, you will be my witnesses. In verse 24, we see this great desire of Jesus. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see me in my glory, the glory I had before the world began. A great desire of Christ is that we, the church, will be united with him, the bride of Christ, united with him, the great marriage supper of the Lamb, that we will be with Christ in glory. Where it says he has placed eternity in the hearts of man. God has always been. He created us, and now we will always be along with him. And so we recognize this call to this eternal life in him. And so that's his prayer, that we would be with him in glory. But this side of heaven, in the prayer, he prays four basic things for us that, that are priorities in his life. Priorities for his church, priorities for us. And I want us to see those four priorities. He prays that we would be holy. He prays that we would be united. He prays that we would be loving and that we would be joyful. And so as we follow through on those calls of Jesus, if that's what matters to him, how does that line up with what matters to us? How does that equate with what's important to me? Is my holiness important to me? That's where we begin as Jesus, in verses 17 and 18, just leading into this portion of the prayer, says this, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Peter says in his first letter, in verses 15 and 16 of chapter 1, just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. So this first priority of Jesus is that we would know his holiness. We've taken that one word, hagios, and made a lot of words from it. 
in trying to grasp what it is he's calling us to. Holy, holiness, sanctify, sanctity, sanctification. We've brought in a definition of wholeness, maturity, completeness in understanding what it is to be holy in his sight. Certainly is to be set aside for a spiritual purpose, which was an understanding of everything that they sanctified in their day. The holy showbread was sanctified for their worship. The candlesticks were sanctified for worship. Jesus said, you are set apart for a spiritual purpose. He has sanctified us. He has set us apart. In the prayer, Jesus says, we are different by virtue of our belonging to God. That sets us apart. We recognize that belonging and we respond to that belonging. So just as God's very nature is love, God's very nature is holiness. God is holy. We are not holy by nature. It is God's nature, though. It equates to his otherness, his majesty, his awe, his splendor, that he is the holy God. We become holy not by our effort, but being in relationship with our holy God. He makes us holy by his Holy Spirit living within us. He purifies our hearts by faith. We recognize this call to holy living. Somewhere on Mount Horeb, Moses met with God. And there was a burning bush, and he went to investigate what's going on. This bush is burning but not being consumed. And the voice of God says, Moses, this is holy ground. Take off your sandals. And Moses begins this dialogue with God in this holy place. The bush is not still burning. The ground was only holy as it related to Moses and his interaction with God. But any place we meet with God at a point of God's revelation, him revealing himself to us becomes holy ground for us. I was thinking of some of those places in my own life as a child. Two major places of holy ground moments for me were my local church up in Northern California. And the campground where I received Christ as a child, where I dedicated my life more deeply to him as a teen, where I attended youth camps and camp meetings and times when God met deeply in my life and decisions and commitments I made then, I still live by. Those holy places, let's see, my local church is now a freeway on-ramp, where it was, and the campground is overgrown and not used as campground any longer. But they still maintain a holy ground place in my memory, in my recollection, because that's where I encountered God in significant ways in my young life. Where are our holy ground places? Where do we interact with God as we grow in him? We are different by virtue of belonging to God. Israel belonged to God. Israel had no place apart from God's call. God called Abram. He he, preserved Isaac. He made his covenant with Jacob. He protected Joseph. He called Moses. He led the people out of bondage and into the promised land. He created them. He loved them. He chose them. He protected them. And he speaks to us. And we have our meaning in this relationship of God and our lives. We belong to God. And our place in this world and in the world to come is based upon his call upon my life and the fact that I have responded to that call. Whatever holiness means, it means a radical belonging to God. I love the response of the first question of the Heidelberg Catechism. Loved it so much, I wrote it in the front of my Bible. Let me just read it to you. The first question in the Heidelberg Catechism is, what is your only comfort in life and in death? 
And the answer is this, that I am not my own, but belong, body and soul, in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation because I belong to him. Christ, by his Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. (laughs) What is our only hope in life and in death? It is this relationship with our living Savior who lives within us, who Jesus says, I am among you and now I can be within you to his disciples. And so we belong to God. And so at the core of this holy life is that I don't belong to myself, I don't belong to this world, I belong, body and soul, to God my Father through Jesus Christ with the powering spirit of his spirit living within me. And so we begin to recognize that that motivates us into how we live in our world. God gave the children of Israel the commandments after they had declared their willingness to belong to him. Will you keep these? Yes, we will. Okay, here's the way you live. And Jesus said, I haven't come to abolish the law. I've come to fulfill the law, to fill that law full of meaning in our hearts and lives. God gave them the commandments after they declared their willingness. And so God cleanses us, sanctifies our hearts. He prays this for us. I pray that they may be truly sanctified. I have set myself apart that they too may be set apart in this holy way of life. So holiness is to be like Jesus. Now that doesn't mean trying harder every day to be like Jesus. That would be the most discouraging lifestyle ever. He says, he will empower us. Faithful is he who calls you, who also will do it. He lives within us by his spirit. It's what he says in in verse 26. It's what he said in the previous chapter when he talked to his disciples. I can be in you. Here he says that I myself may be in them, the ones who are coming after these disciples. John Wesley's favorite definition of sanctification was being so filled with love, there was no room for anything else. He longs for us to love with his style of love. So holiness is a priority for Jesus in the prayer. But he moves on to other priorities he has for us. In verse 21, he speaks of us being united, that this unity is important to us. And he uses the Godhead as the example. Father, as I am in you and you are in me, might they also be one as we are one. Now, there are a lot of things we don't understand about the Trinity, But we understand that that is unity at its best. And that's what he prays for us, that we might be united in that same way. Now, friends, I don't have to tell you that the Church of Jesus Christ has fallen short in that regard in expressing that kind of unity to our world. It was the first petition for believers back in verse 11 in the prayer that they may be one as we are one. The unity of God in our lives matters to him. And it should matter to us. We are not united by race or culture or language or country. We are one in Christ Jesus. And if our unity is such a high priority for Jesus, we better pay close attention to that unity. Paul writes to the Roman church, Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution 
or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, we might add, or prejudice or politics or anything else that has divided us in the church. He says nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We rejoice in that unity. And it does not mean uniformity. It does not mean we are made in little cookie cutters and we're all the same. We are united in the midst of our diversity to show the power and love of Jesus Christ. I love what we read about the roots of the Philippian church. When Paul first arrived with his missionary team, and there was not a synagogue, it's just Gentile territory, and, and there was a lady named Lydia who was leading a Bible study down by the river. It said she was a follower of God, a, a God-fearer. And they went and sought her out and told her of the love of Jesus Christ. The first convert is this wealthy, seller of purple, leader, leader of a God-fearing Bible study. Who's the next convert? A demon-possessed slave girl. <laughs> and by casting the demon out of her, they get themselves thrown into prison, and Paul and Silas then singing at midnight... And then, with their witness to the jailer, leads to the third convert, which is the Roman jailer and his family. Can you go into Philippi and pick three people more diverse at different stages of culture and different backgrounds and everything else? And yet, when Paul writes to the Philippian church in chapter 1 of his letter to them, he says, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. (laughs) Diverse as they could be, and yet united in Christ diverse as we can be as Christians here and around the world, and yet united in Christ. We recognize that this unity is a priority for Jesus. And this unity is not just for our benefit. It's not so we'll just have these warm, fuzzy feelings, oh, isn't it nice to be united in the body of Christ? He says that they may be one so that the world may believe that you sent me. This is God's marketing plan for the church. He says, they are to see the unity in the body of Christ and be drawn and attracted to me. That's crucial. If our unity is what is to draw the world, then we better be united. We better be showing the love of Christ in the way we love each other. We are one in Christ. He says it in verses 21 through 23. Let me just read them to us again because this is crucial. That they may be one Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them, you in me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Jesus brings unity and we are to express it in the midst of the world. And here he brings in the next priority for Jesus, this love. Throughout the prayer, Jesus has said, love each other. And it's not just a suggestion. Jesus has said to his disciples, this is my commandment to you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, as in the same manner that I have loved you, you are to love each other. Not just when we find somebody we get along with, but in the same manner that Jesus loved, we are to love. And this is the progression that he gives us. He says, I love the Father. The Father loves me. And we love you. And we might think the next progression is, so therefore you should love me. You should love us. You should love the Godhead. But the word never says that. 
Nowhere in Scripture does it say, God has loved you, therefore you should love God. But over and over and over it says, God has loved you, therefore you should love each other. That's how we express our love to God, by loving each other. Jesus says, in as much as you've done it to the least of these, my brothers, you've done it to me. We are serving Christ as we serve each other. He will not separate this love and service. We are called to love. And the world will know we are Christians by our love. You will hear it sung in just a few moments as we reflect upon this truth. We are his and we are called to love. Therefore, we should love each other. So what would happen, as we sang earlier, what if I believe Christ in me? What if I just committed in my life, I will never quit loving no matter what? Paul says it in 1 Corinthians 13, love always protects, love always hopes, love always trusts, love always hopes, it always perseveres. And then he says, love never fails. And we say, wait a minute, we fail each other all the time in our efforts to love. But that's not the, the meaning of the phrase. It is love never fails to keep loving. We will not give up on loving because God has called us to love each other. And it's the way his love is expressed into our world. And so the love of Jesus changes us. The love of Jesus changes everything. So let's transition from this third priority that we would be loving into the last priority that we would be filled with joy, that we would have the joy of God within us. I love the words of Henry Van Dyke who set to Beethoven's Ode to Joy, the words, joyful, joyful, we adore you, God of glory, Lord of love. But focus on the, the third verse where he finishes the verse saying, teach us how to love each other, lift us to the joy divine. It's this loving relationship that enables the joyful life that Christ wants to pour into us. He has prayed it several times in the prayer that your, my joy may be in you and your joy might be full. Earlier in the upper room, he had said, I give these disciples my peace. I give them my love. I give them my joy. We are taking the very nature of Christ and implanting it in our lives by the Holy Spirit, by his indwelling presence in our lives. And there is no shortcut to this joy. This is not a surface happiness. This is something that is deep settled within us, this joy by which we live. And so see the progression. Holiness that he prays for us leads to unity. That unity is expressed in how we love each other. And when we love each other, that results in joy in our hearts and lives. The holiness, that is, the cleansing, the filling, the equipping, the teaching, the using of our lives, because his spirit lives within us, leads me to being unified with you, this shared life of Jesus. For if you are his child, and I am his child, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. We are one, as he prays, we would be united. And that unity is expressed every day in practical action of love what it means to love in our world. Go and do what he has called us to do. And Jesus will never separate that. What's the greatest commandment? Oh, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But the second one is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. They are connected. We are called not just to love God back, not just to get together and sing praises to him and glorify him, though he lives in the praise of his people. He says, come in to be equipped. Go out to serve. And so we go out 
and then find this acts of love leads us to joy. Not just a surface happiness, not based on circumstance, not based on mood, but based on this change that has gone on within us. If you're praying with us in the daily devotional guide of Nazarenes around the world leading up to next week's celebration of Pentecost Sunday, today's devotion speaks of how that joy, that deep settled joy is with us even when we go through the valley of the shadow of death. Even when we face the end of this physical life, we recognize that we are caught up in joy in his presence. Well, these are Jesus' priorities for the church. Are they then the priorities for us? Holiness and unity and love and joy. We need to take inventory. And so we want to spend some time in reflection on this. And Pastor Matt is going to come and lead us in a time of prayer reflection that God's peace would truly be ours and that these priorities would be our priorities. Christ praised these for his church, his disciples. So we ought to pray them for ourselves. For us individually, for us corporately, let us take a moment to respond to Christ's prayer with our own. I'll read a short prayer with a responsive question at the end. And we'll take a moment of quiet to consider and meditate on each question. So let us join together and pray. Lord, we pray for your holiness in our midst. As we follow your son, we pray that we take on the virtues and characteristics of the one who came to save, who dwells among us, and reveals to us the divine ways of life. Lord, in every way, guide our hearts towards whatever moves yours. Enlighten us to your truth and instill in us courage to take on the wicked problems you call us to resolve. Instruct us, Lord, how might we embody your holiness, peace, injustice, this day and into this week. Lord, in the midst of our fragmented community and society, guide our hearts and minds towards unity. 
despite our impulse to be about me, my opinion, and my preferences, open our imaginations and broaden our horizons to more inclusive and equitable patterns of life. Instruct us, Lord. How might we take a step towards unity without impinging on our diversity? Lord, we pray that your love would flood the places we dwell and the relationships we keep. Keep us from dehumanizing language and thought, that we might lovingly recognize the image of God in each person. We pray that we would not only be generous and hospitable to those we have an easy time loving, but that you, would, you might challenge us to love those who we are inclined to hate even if that hate is aimed at ourself. Instruct us, Lord. How might we embody love to ourselves, love of those who are difficult, and love the world with all of its chaos and pain? Lord, in the midst of the recent tragic events in the world, how might we go about your joy? Bring to our attention the occasions which ought to be celebrated. May we not exchange your divine hope for cheap cynicism. Remind us of the goodness in which you created, and we are invited 
to spread to a world in pain. Instruct us, Lord. How might we embody your rich joy through all of the circumstances in which we live this week? Lord, incline our hearts and minds to your spirit. May we not lose sight of the things to which we are called, that of holiness, of unity, of love, and of joy. That even in the midst of tragedies, that which is taking place in Buffalo and in Uvalde, that you would call your disciples to lament, to grieve loss, to be agents of peace and healing in communities where such tragedies take place, and to be a people that are called to safeguard against such evil. to truly seek after life, not only for ourselves, but the flourishing of others, that we might be such witnesses, witnesses in action to your holiness, your unity, your love, and your joy. Guide us, our Lord. I pray this in your name. Amen. We are one in the Spirit, we are one in the Lord. We are one in the Spirit, we are one in the Lord. And we pray that all unity may one day be restored, and they'll know
And as we enter into our world in the midst of this uh, memorial weekend when we celebrate the freedoms that we have and the price by which those freedoms were purchased, when the sun sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Father, we come to you thankful for your grace in our lives, and we pray that we would demonstrate that love to others. And now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to prevent you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Go in God's peace. Thank you.